You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for the City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, Bears lost, but spirits are high. How are you feeling today? I'm I'm riding high. I'm I'm happy to have seen this happen. I'm not going to be greedy and say I wish they won the game. I do wish they won the game, but that's not going to take any shine off the way I feel. Um, this is what the Bears and Bears fans and the city of Chicago really has been waiting for for a hell of a long time and it's here and i'm i'm not gonna be sad about that in any measure i'm gonna i'm gonna be thrilled and happy about that because you can't do that as a football fan when times get good boy life is pretty grim yeah it's i mean we were talking before we hit the hit the podcast start here and we were saying is this bex from sid luckman or is this johnny lujak doesn't matter it's a really long time ago none of us were around to see either of those guys play football maybe you know somebody that was around but uh it certainly isn't either one of us it's been a very long time since the bears have had a quarterback that has generated this much excitement we have been talking about that for a very long time on on this pod because we were talking about it before the draft um, of how excited he was. And then we had a, a very special round table when <laughs> Justin Field was taken where we really reflected like, Hey, this is, this guy is a talented guy that we have not seen since Johnny Lujak, the Heisman trophy winner and national uh, champion from Notre Dame was drafted in the forties. Like th- that is goes all the way back to there where we had uh, a quarterback with that level of potential join the Chicago bears. So he l- seems to have, turned a corner or this is an inflection point there's going to be some downs we know that that's just a quarterback that's that that's a quarterback life but there there does feel uh like there was an inflection point that had been reached with that mini buy and things are are definitely looking up very exciting i brought on a new bottle not new to me it's an it's a fresh bottle let me put it that way um what do you have tonight Oh, I have an old standby because I did not run to the beer store. Uh, I would have gotten something slightly more celebratory had I, but I do love this beer. This is Ridgetop Red Ale from Silver City Brewing out in Paulsbo. 6% by volume. Uh, does it have the IBUs on here just for just for my JB rating? Uh, it doesn't. You would you would probably like it, and, and we'll talk about travel later on in the podcast, but that's what I've got. What's your... Uh, fresh bottle no just a fresh bottle of blanton's um oh just a fresh bottle of and and, you know it's what letter did you get this is a b okay right for bears and it's a fresh bottle because look they if those of you that don't know blanton's they put a little horse uh stopper at the top and they they put their there's you know seven of them different letters to spell out blanton's and all that stuff um it's a horse rider on the top because we're off to the races man like Justin Fields proved that he is ready to go. Um, he set the single season, single game record for uh, quarterback rushing yards. That's really cool. There's over 16,000 football games that regular season football games that have been played. So if you extrapolate that out, there are over 33,000 quarterback starts in this league. He's number one in one specific stat. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Uh, number one for number one. It's really cool. Do you have Hulu, by the way? Uh, we did. And then Do we you... got rid of it. We could okay. get it again. Why? Uh, there's a great documentary on Hulu called Neat. And it is about the history of bourbon. And uh, it's really well done. I watched it this week. Uh, I loved it. It was really, really, really good. The only problem with it was uh, they have the only female master distiller uh i think ever 
uh, in the state of Kentucky, and she uh, is starting her own uh, distillery. And they showed a lot of the startup process. It was filmed over a couple of years. But uh, that her first batch, I believe it's called Lock and Key Bourbon, uh, her first batch won't be ready for like another four years. Um, so I'm kind of bummed. Oh, uh, no, I've seen I've seen Lock and Key out there. Is that oh, what it's called? You? Lock and Key? I think it's called Lock and Key. Anyways, uh, I don't know exactly when it was filmed. Maybe it was filmed long enough ago that it's out now. But I was like, oh, I'm so excited about that. I kind of want to try it. Now I have to wait because uh, for those of you that are not familiar with bourbon, it has to age in barrels. Uh, it must be aged a minimum of time to be called bourbon. And uh, you can't just like rush out and go get it. That's that's part of the deal. You got to wait six or seven years. All right. There's one called Castle and Key. That might have been what I was what I was thinking about. Lock and Key. Maybe um, it's Castle and Key. Anyways, maybe from Willet. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, something I will add on to the Hulu. But we are here to talk about football tonight, and we are specifically talking about one Mister Chase Claypool. So you dove into the film, limited film, admittedly, but um, you dove into the film this week because newest edition they had a priority to try to get him involved in the offense early. Um, so why did you want to talk about Chase Claypool tonight? Let's start there. Um, because everybody knows that the Chicago offense, I won't just say Justin Fields, the Chicago offense in general needs more weapons. And this call goes back to the changeover to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and where people wanted the bears to go in the draft Wide receiver was by far and away the number one ping I got from Bears fans of like, who are we drafting? Got to be a wide receiver. Got to be a wide receiver in the first two picks. If we don't pick a wide receiver by 32, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Wide receiver was the thing. Everybody knew with Allen Robinson moving on that there was a vacancy there and that the offense was going to need that position. They didn't draft a wide receiver until Valus Jones. Uh they signed a few in free agency. Unfortunately, haven't seen most of them on the field. Byron Pringle and Kiel Harry have spent a lot of time injured and not much time on the field. So we really don't know. I actually think Byron Pringle would be pretty decent and I'm looking forward to his return. Um, but we haven't seen that. So there's just been this huge hunger that's not been satiated at the trade deadline after really two games after this mini buy when we see Justin Fields make progress. I really think it clicked in for Ryan Poles and he's like I'm willing to invest now. I see the progress. I want to help this guy. And they and they go out and they get Chase Claypool, who strangely enough is a wide receiver that when he was drafted, a lot of Chicago fans clamored for at the time. Um so this is full circle in many ways. It's his first week with the team. I figured there'd be a lot of interest in how they used him and like you, I thought mm, he, look, he's going to get like 10, 12 plays. They're going to have a little package. They're going to try and run some stuff for him, but he's been with the team less than a week. There's no way. He ends up in 35% of the offensive snaps. Like that's not a little for, for context, Khalil Herbert's averaging 37% of the offensive snaps for the year. So as many times as you've seen Khalil Herbert, that's as much as they use Chase Claypool literally in his first game. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. So it was worth a look. Is it everything? No. Does it give us a pretty good idea of some of the things that he can bring? Yeah, it's like a peak. It's like a snapshot. And I knew there'd be a lot of hunger for that. So that's why I picked Claypool this week. Well, let's go back to the draft. So you mentioned it in, in the top there in the spiel. And at the time, I remember talking about Chase Claypool uh, versus Cole Komet. There was a little bit of like, well, if you're going to go with a Notre Dame pass catcher, I kind of <laughs> wish it would have been Chase Claypool and not Cole Komet, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think we have that on tape somewhere if someone wants yep. to dive into the archives. But what did you see with Claypool coming out? Um, you know, I know there was a, a thought in your brain for a little while about maybe this guy's like a Kyle Pitts type tight end. Um, but then he kind of blew the doors off when he ran his 40 and kind of took that off the off the table. But, you know, what did you see from a scouting perspective in Claypool? And, you know, where did you have him in that draft area when, when he was coming out? Yeah, Claypool's really interesting for me because the first time I got to physically go see players up close was the 2020 Senior Bowl. And that was the year that Chase Claypool came out. So Chase Claypool was one of those players. He was in that first batch of players that I got to stand in a room with and interview and watch them walk across the stage at weigh-ins and, and be right down on the sidelines during practice and, and really get a feel for 
how big they are, how fast they are, how well they move, how well they interact or don't interact with people. So I, I feel like I have more information on, you know, Claypool's class and forward because that was the first chance. But the reason I thought he might be a tight end was Tuesday at weigh-ins at the senior bowl. He walks across the stage and it was staggering. Like he is a big dude. He is Cordero Patterson, big, if not bigger and completely cut. And you're thinking, man, this guy could make a really good call him what you want, you know, blocker, move tight end, pass catcher, red zone threat. And we didn't know he was as fast as he was. <laughs> so it was a good theory for about six weeks. And then he went to the combine and, you know, ran a four, four, three or four, four, two. And that was the end of that because wide receivers get paid more than tight ends. He was never going to be a tight end after that. And that's fine because he still brings all those physical capabilities to the position, but you know, he's drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame. I had him uh, as a pass catcher, as a riser, particularly because of what he did on the field at the, at the senior bowl. When we were there, he was one of those guys that came out of the week looking extremely good. He caught most things. He dominated defensive backs physically. You definitely want to see that the ability to go up muscle through coverage, catch balls in traffic. And we've continued to see that in the NFL. It wasn't a flash in the pan. His contested catch rate was high 30s for his first two years in Pittsburgh, which is pretty good. This year, it's up to the low 50s, which is means uh, basically that Pickett and, and Trubisky were throwing a lot of balls into coverage, but he's he's a guy that can go get them. Um, so ends up getting drafted in the second round, not by the Bears, by Pittsburgh, number 49 overall. Uh, it's his third season. He's 24 years old. Strangely enough, he was born in Abbotsford, BC. I learned that today. Abbotsford is literally three hours north of me. It's the first town that I get to if I cross over the Canadian border, even before I get to Vancouver. Um, I have no idea what the story is there, but he was born in Canada. Um, 6'4", 238, very similar size to Cordell Patterson. Um, very similar speed as well. And his RAS relative athletic score was 998. He was, he was Megatron level. This is ridiculous stuff. That ranks him number five out of over 2,400 wide receivers ranked between 87 and 2020, 1987 and 2020. He's number five. Like, wide receiver, a very athletic position. Chase Claypool, fifth. So let's let's pause for a moment there because that was something that we saw. Now, there's not enough data on Ryan Poles and his drafting to make any sort of claims of trends or what he likes, whatever. Like I, I'm I'm the first one to say that you don't have a big enough sample size, but it sure seemed like there may have been a pattern that might start emerging that this guy really likes super athletic players, and a lot of the um, RAS scores were lighting up with a lot of green um, in his picks and with the guys that he was uh, taking chances on with undrafted free agents or, you know, the claims process too, right? He, he was going after these guys. He's trying to get bigger, faster, stronger, you know, particularly faster. And so when the trade deadline was coming up, some people floated the idea of Chase Claypool and I, I didn't bat it down because you look at his, his uh, relative athletic score and you're like, Sure looks like a guy that polls would like. Yeah, I have four four two in the forty at basically two hundred and forty pounds, and a forty inch vertical also at two hundred and forty pounds. That's that's getting up towards like Brian Erlacher athleticism, which is you know a crazy ceiling. You're talking about a hyper athlete here, so he's also productive. There's a lot of guys that are hyper athletic that aren't terribly productive. His first two years in the league, he averaged 60 catches and 866 yards is really consistent. 14.35 yards per catch. So this is a guy that has an average depth of target goes down the field. Also will get yards after the catch with that big frame run through people. He doesn't mind contact, but this is not a guy that has, you know, had this great flash of a senior bowl and a combine and came in and then struggled to produce. He produced, Right off the bat, I'm, most people notably know his rookie season. He had nine touchdowns. Seemed like every time he turned around, he was catching a touchdown. That fell off. Logically, you know, regression happens in his second year. But this is not a guy that struggled to produce against NFL athletic talent. And one of the reasons is because, look, man, he's really big, fast, and strong. And sometimes it's Jimmys and Joes over X's and O's. Like, you throw a ball up, there are two guys there. The bigger, faster, stronger one go wins, goes and wins it. 
I think we have to at least acknowledge that Ben Roethlisberger last year had really no business being on a football field and mm-hmm. the year before was borderline. And so the fact that he was producing in that two years ago with, with Roethlisberger was pretty impressive. And then last year, like, I'm sorry, I don't think you can take anything from that. I, I don't want to be mean to Ben Roethlisberger, but I think I could have thrown about as hard of a football as Ben Roethlisberger last year. I mean, it was, he was done. And you know, that, they somehow they had they they were they were imprisoned by that contract they were mm-hmm. at his whim like they they i don't think that pittsburgh could do anything about it they had to just go with it and yeah. he decided he was going to come back they had to play it out they had to play out the string and i just don't think you can hold anything against chase claypool or deontay johnson or any of those any of those wide receivers for not being able to put up big numbers with ben roethlisberger last year because he, it was one of the worst arms that I've ever seen. And his average depth of target was like, I don't know. Was it negative? Like, I mean, yeah. like, it was ridiculous. He, he couldn't push the ball down the field more than 20 yards. Everybody just sat on everything. So no, but uh, I mean, production wise, 866, a lot of people think that you have to get a thousand yards or you're not a good receiver. There are relatively very few receivers in this league. that get a thousand yards and number two, and number three wide receivers, and you could say Claypool was kind of either in Pittsburgh, depending on the year and the the emphasis and where the ball was going. 866 is really good. That's top-end production for a number two, number certainly a number three. Number threes are like six, 700 yards. This is a guy that was pushing for closer to 900 yards. So it's there. He's young. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. Um, he's been relatively healthy his first couple of years, knock on wood. And there's, you know, his best football could still well be in front of him. No, I think it is. Yeah. Like you say, young guy coming up. And again, I think that production, if that kept his trade value down a little bit, I mean, Bears definitely paid up for it. But this is a guy that I think could explode and have giant numbers. It's all there. So I'm excited. I think it was a good trade. Um, Everything leading up to this is is uh, exactly what we're excited for so let's talk about this specific game how they try to deploy him in his first action and what we can expect moving on from now for the, through the rest of the season yeah how they tried to deploy him was a bunch but as you can imagine with less than a week to learn the system it was pretty limited in the type of target and where they used him on the field we'll talk about that overall six targets in this game Same number he saw the last week in Pittsburgh before he left, so not a huge drop-off there. He only picked up two receptions for 13 yards and one rush for four yards. You might look at that if you're stat scouting and say, eh, he didn't really do anything. Eh, you'd be wrong. He did some things right off the crack. Um, Was the starter at wide receiver on the first offensive snap of the game. That's a signal. Like, yeah, the new guys, the starter at wideout, he's going to be listed in, in, you know, as starting that game for Chicago. Um, Funny thing on this second snap, second offensive snap, first snap, he just runs a route. No big deal. Second one, he gets a high five on the second snap from his former Notre Dame teammate, Cole Komet, because the two of them get together on Jalen Phillips and do a little combo block. When they're done, Cole Komet's like, yeah, it's been a while since we've done that, huh? (laughs) We just stoned one of the good pass rushers in the NFL. This is cool. Uh, It's just one of those little things you see on tape. You're like, oh, yeah, they're teammates at Notre Dame. They're friends, right? Yeah, they're buddies. You've got other Notre Dame guys and connections on that team too. I mean, I think that stuff matters, right? Like it's totally matters traded in the middle of the year. Like you go to a brand new team, you don't know anybody like, you know, these are still human beings. And here you have this, I think it's the best possible landing spot, not only because of Justin Fields' skill set, but because of the personalities and, and the actual people that are on the team that know him from college. And so it's a soft landing and it's, it's a place where he's going to be valued and a place where he's going to, his skill sets are, are needed. So much, so much of this works. It's just, it's just such a great trade on so many levels for Chicago, but sorry. Uh, Notre no, Dame's it's, connections it's, were- it's fine. It's just flashback to me. I was like, that looked like a spring ball rep, right? That looked like a spring yeah. ball rep at Notre Dame where they were like, ha you know, they say that guy's going to get drafted. We just kept him off our quarterback. Let's go. I need a uh, bears. Uh, I need a bears cl- uh, clover. Uh, Shamrock oh, cat now. Yeah. You know, yeah. To, to signify all these Notre Dame guys. But right. Anyway, just link the two together. Keep going. Uh, 
No, so first quarter, uh, 13-16, he gets used on double motion to show coverage. So this just means they motion him back and forth to figure out what they're looking at coverage-wise. It gives Justin Fields an indicator. And then they use him as a quick screen. Basically, they've got three wide receivers out left. He's the guy that catches the ball. The other two are supposed to block for him. I say supposed to because he makes a good solid catch, which is always something I want to see on the screen. He actually drops ones later in the game, so that's a little bit of foreshadowing. But his outside blocker, who was ESB, whiffed so he got hit immediately like equinemius st brown did not catch his block at all so the guy hits claypool like at two yards it was a it was a nothing kind of a play like the catch didn't get anything out of it first quarter here's the play that really sort of defines oh so he didn't get a lot of catches but he did change the game 12 23 this is the first deep shot down the left edge lines up wide left bears get straight cover one man coverage single high safety everybody's in man uses power at the line to beat press because again he's a big powerful guy he's a lot to handle he just basically blows through press kind of swims through it and then he kind of slows up mid-route and it was like huh why do you do that at first i thought oh maybe it's just because he doesn't know how far justin can throw it and it's sort of a chemistry thing nope end of the play out comes the flag it was dpi he basically got tangled up was left to try and make a one-handed catch at the catch point. I thought, oh, it looked like he slowed up. Well, he did slow up mid-route because he got tangled up with the defensive back, draws DPI. This pulls the Bears down inside the red zone. So although he didn't get the catch, he moved the offense 35, 40 yards down the field because he got held because the guy had to hold him. Like the safety was not coming over the top fast enough. This was one-on-one and he was by him. So he held him and, you know, Probably a good call because if he gets loose, it's touchdown and the top blows off the stadium and it's going to be really, really tough to keep up with the Bears after that. Interestingly enough, once they hit red zone offense, mm -mm, they didn't do any of those installs with him. He comes off the field. He didn't play in red zone all day. When they got inside the 20, they pulled him off the field. Totally understandable with you know less than six days of prep time, probably fully by the time they get to it. Interesting also to see guys in the offense to try and help him along. So we saw, we talked about Komet early on. You saw Justin Fields at one point going, no, no man motion like now. Yep. Come on. <laughs> like, this is where I need you. So the guys out there were trying to get him into the flow. They know that he doesn't know it yet. So uh, your opening question about what we saw this week and what we're going to see next, we're going to see more. They're just going to, it's going to be more plays, more formations, more in the red zone. We're going to see more as he gets more comfortable. But this week, what we got was a whole lot of screens, a couple of deep shots, nothing in the red zone and some decent blocking, which we'll talk about later. Um, quarter, first quarter, six twenty-eight. This is blocking on the commit sweep. So he runs an outside release. This is a very savvy thing to do. He tries to beat his man to the outside like he's going down the boundary, and it's to get leverage. <laughs> he gets outside that guy, and as soon as he gets outside that guy and the guy turns, he grabs a hold of him and starts blocking him back to the inside because Komet was coming on a sweep and was right in behind him. So it was a really savvy move. Didn't end up getting Komet a whole lot of extra yards, but he basically moved the defensive back to where he could get a good purchase on him then just put his frame on him and tried to push him to the inside. So love that he's got that awareness that comes from Notre Dame. They ran a lot at Notre Dame while he was there. He is a, he is a well-schooled blocker. He understands angles and power. He knows he has it too, which was one of the reasons I liked him as a sort of hybrid for tight end. Cause this is a guy that when he gets his hands on you, he can move you just about as well as Komet can. Sometimes I think even better, but we'll get into that later on. Uh, well, and also that's, I mean, that was the appeal of Equinemia St. Brown when he came over was like, Hey, he's good. He's a pretty good blocker. So yeah. this is what pulls, like. well, that's what pulls like. So I know, that, that but made, I, I, that makes me itch because having watched a lot of all 22, like I had limited expectations for free SB. I, I, I liked him as a draft prospect when, and where he got picked, he developed some, but when, when he was coming over to the bears and, and that Notre Dame bears connection kind of kicked in, everybody's like, Oh, this guy's going to be great. He's going to do these. And I was like, tone it down a little, Tony. It's I don't think so. Like he's going to be okay. He can run deep, but he's, he's dropped some passes. He whips on some blocks. His he doesn't have a great amount of separation, even in this game later on in the game. Again, down the red zone, he's one of the guys that was playing pretty regularly because because Claypool wasn't. And there's there's not a lot there to love. He's an average player. And I'm not okay. I'm not gonna defend 
I'm not I'm not in love with Equinemius St. Brown, but I am happy that I can pronounce the name. Right. I mean, there have been some struggles on this podcast channel with with different hosts trying to pronounce that name throughout the year. But I think I have it down. So nice. I'm just I'm just trying to bring it out as much as possible. while it's I love it. And, and you know, his brother plays in Detroit and his other brother supposedly is uh, the most athletic in the family, which is kind of. Well, Amon Ra is very good. We'll get we'll get a chance to look at him up close this this week. But yeah, um, sorry, get back into it. No, it's fine. So the next play is another wide receiver screen try. He dropped it. This is something Bears fans need to get used to. Chase Claypool does not have amazing hands. He can catch the ball. He is good. He is solid. He is not one of those guys that's going to make amazing catches week after week. And he is going to drop some easy ones. You can call him concentration drops. You can call whatever else. So I was happy about him grabbing the first one very solidly. Looked it into his hands before he turned. This one is kind of a tough throw from Justin, but it hit him in the hands and he dropped it. And you just you have to take the good with the bad Matt Harmon, who is a great analyst works for Yahoo does a ton of fantasy stuff also does a uh, reception perception, which is work specifically on wide receivers has a very interesting theory about drops that mostly they're just noise in this particular case. You're going to have to get used to the static. There's there are going to be some where you go, Oh, he had the blocking. Yeah, he did. He's going to drop some of those. It's just the case. Do you think so. that he can borrow Mooney's jugs machine? I think he will probably hang out on the judge machine with Mooney, but he also hung out with Deontay Johnson and the Steelers are really good at developing wide receivers. And this just crops up sometimes like it just does. You just have to live with the fact that occasionally he's going to win a 50 50 ball 50 yards down the field. And on the next play, he might drop a screen. It just don't get super angry. Nobody's perfect. And this is one of his things. We live with the good and the bad. Um, Next play after that, another wide receiver swing. They are trying to get the ball in his hands at this point. Uh, this one with no blockers, which is really interesting because all the other ones, that's why it's swing, not a screen, right? The other ones had blockers in front. I'm calling those screens. This is just a straight swing. He just basically takes a half step back. It's one-on-one. He gets to try and beat the guy. He breaks the first tackle and picks up the first down. Just again, uh, this one with a move, with a nice juke to the inside. He can break them with power, and he will break them with power. Uh, this one, he basically just juke the guy out of his shoes second tackler pushes him out of bounds right at the marker he gets the first down um this is this is back to the good this is a little bit of the roller coaster ride right we'll get these huge plays we'll get these sort of basic plays we'll get these plays where he breaks some tackles and picks up some extra yards and then you know occasionally yeah he'll drop an easy one it's okay um you know uh, quarter one 422 yet another wide receiver screen try justin threw this one over his head which is kind of a bummer um just didn't really set his feet. And, you know, if you're throwing it over a guy's head who's got a 40 inch vertical and 33 inch arms and his 6'4, you, you threw it pretty high. Um, Justin just sailed this one. And it's too bad because the blocking actually looked better on this rep than it did on the one where ESB whiffed it. So he had a little blocking. He might have he might have picked up eight or ten had had that ball been on target. I don't um, think Justin caught the laces on that. I think he I think he yeah, threw that he, part he, of the football and didn't he, have it and sailed on him. Yeah, this is the same as what we were just saying about Claypool is Justin's going to have those moments, too, where he's going to drill a deep ball 55 yards down the field. And it's between the numbers, like throws it between the DB's hands. Just perfect. And then he's going to turn around and airmail a screen like it. Nobody's perfect. This one was again, it wasn't a huge loss. It wasn't like, oh, he was so open. That was a touchdown. It was like, oh, I would have picked up six or eight right there. Ah, OK, didn't throw an interception, so I'm OK with it. Um Quarter two, we skip to the second quarter, 833. Not a play where he's featured, but he has a great inside release on this play. Um, guys this big shouldn't be this quick. Like, that's <laughs> that's just, if you're a defensive back and you're staring at this mountain, you're thinking, I got, I got this guy. I got faster feet than this guy. And the answer is you don't. Um, this is the old stab and go, outside foot stab, and then right back inside and basically across him and by him. Um, again, wasn't really looked at. I don't even know if it was a, a real route or a decoy route, but he let the DB know, like, you ain't got me, pal. Like, <laughs> you, I, I take you when I want you, and he just did, and it was very clean. Great release. Um, tries the same release later in the game. Doesn't run it with quite as much gusto, and the guy stays on his hip. But this one, he was, if he had been featured, he was cleanly by him. He was NFL open. 
Um, so little things on plays where he wasn't featured that you might not have seen. On run plays, he is looking for somebody to hit. I love this. He is hunting safeties. Like I said, he set up that defensive back with outside leverage and then blocked him back on the inside. On plays where he's just sort of curling across and Justin takes off, he is like, he goes into scan mode. He's a big dude and he's looking for somebody to hit. Not all wide receivers are like that. Claypool is a guy that is looking for a target. You, as an offensive lineman, you call it looking for work. He's a wide receiver that looks for work down the field. And boy, there's going to be some safety later this year mark my words, who's not paying attention, who's tracking a ball carrier, and Claypool is going to absolutely earhole him and erase it because Claypool's a big dude and he's really fast. Yet again, another thing that Bears fans are going to love about this guy. Hey, EJ, let's take a quick break real, real quick. Let somebody else pay the bills, and we'll come right back and finish up the second half of Chase Claypool's debut with the Chicago Bears. All right, EJ, we're back. We're talking about Chase Claypool, his first game with the Chicago Bears after the big midseason trade. Uh, very exciting to see him get some reps. He said 35% of the offensive plays had Chase Claypool in the lineup. We will only see that number go up until he's playing the vast majority of the plays, likely by the end of the year, as he gets more of a rapport going with Justin Fields heading into the offseason. And hopefully we have the Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Justin Fields trio uh, head into the offseason and, and start to build even more rapport. Uh, we left off at the first half. What about the second half? What did you see in the second half from Chase Claypool? It's interesting because the Dolphins play a lot of press. They play a lot of man. They're one of the teams that has the personnel to do that, and they like it. They are confident in their corners. They got Javon Holland back there who can cover a ton of ground. They're confident playing one high structures. We hear about two high, two high safety shells, all that stuff, quarter, quarter, half. They do play some of that, but they play man straight up. Normally when they play man, they play press, meaning the DB is within a yard or two of the wide receiver. When they didn't, when they gave him cushion, when they rolled off, they know he's fast. He rates a pretty decent cushion. You can tell how fast uh, DBs think a wide receiver is by how much cushion they give them. He averages about plus minus nine yards worth of cushion. Now, that's not the most in the league. The fastest guys in the league are going to get about 12, which is kind of ridiculous. Guys that aren't very fast are going to get six or seven. They're playing about nine yards off Claypool. They're, they know that he can run by them, which is just something fun. So into the third quarter, 456 little slant justin leads him just a touch too much on this one this is one of the very few routes like straight up routes i'm not counting screens and swings and all that stuff you know besides the deep shot goes down the boundary which we saw a couple of this was one of the only routes that he ran just a quick little slant justin needs to put this ball on him because he has a middle defender dropping to him he led leads him a little much it's down it just needed to be right in his chest because if he'd laid out for that ball, he's basically throwing his head into that oncoming defender's knees. Not, not a great look. So it was, it was a miss hit him kind of in the hands. Just one of those things that they'll clean up with more reps. Uh, third quarter, 125 left the sweep run. Um, this is a sweep run to Claypool. Interestingly enough, the two blockers on the outside here are Comet and Mooney and they have, one guy at the line and a corner to get. Komet is supposed to get the guy at the line. Happens to be Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips is a really athletic guy. And he's lined up a little bit outside of Komet. So it's it's like a reach block. It's it's not easy to convert. Komet doesn't get a good seal on him. And Jalen Phillips, because he's fast, chases Claypool down. Claypool muscles for a few. I think he gets four on this play. Um, but he's basically in contact with Jason Phillips right away. Strangely enough, this is one of those keep an eye on it for later in the season. I want to see those blocks switched. I want to see Mooney just chip into Phillips and commit basically swing outside because it would run like a play that I used to run called lock option, which is now you've got Cole commit running outside hunting for a DB. And if he can get a shot on him, Claypool runs right by him. So it'll be interesting to see if Getsy looks at that tape and goes, hey, it's way easier for commit to you know pin around mooney and it's way easier for mooney to just kind of get in jalen phillips way because he's quick and he's got better leverage he's lined up outside so we'll see if they switch that up but um you know they were just this is again an easy one to install let's get the ball in your hands we're just basically gonna pitch it to you as you go by justin see what you can get hey, he gets four better block maybe he gets more into the fourth quarter 
Uh, sticks with a downfield block. This is 1148 left in the fourth quarter. Sticks with a downfield block and almost springs fields for another TD. This is the one where he throws it eventually to commit in the right corner of the end zone. Play before that, the play that gained him all the yards to get him down into the red zone. Claypool's lined up at the right wide receiver spot. He drives a pretty deep route and then starts blocking and just basically starts pushing this guy backwards in the chest. Stays with his block right to the goal line. Justin ends up stepping out at about the four, which is where he throws the touchdown to commit from. This is, again, a guy that's interested and invested and capable of downfield block. Now, if Justin sneaks that one inside the pylon, like forget offensive player of the week, like his stat line would have been redonkulous if that becomes another Justin Fields rushing touchdown instead of uh, a, a passing touchdown to command. I'm happy Komet got the touchdown. I'm happy the Bears got the touchdown. I don't really care how they get it, but he was like four yards away from slipping outside that Claypool block and getting it. it was actually another defender coming from the middle of the field that pushed him out of bounds. This is a great thing to see wide receivers that are committed to downfield blocking power run game. And the Bears run game is already kicking serious, serious tail. Like mm-hmm. adding a big, strong wide receiver who is committed to blocking 15 and 20 yards down the field. That's going to spring guys like Khalil Herbert for instead of 35 or 50 yard runs, 70 yard TD runs. Like whenever you see a very successful rushing team, they've got wide receivers who block and Mooney blocks his butt off for his size. Imagine that and just, you know, turn the size button up to 11. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to see some we're going to see some dividends. We almost saw it here. We're, we're going to see those very quickly. Um, last play, uh, second to last play. I'm going to talk about fourth quarter buck 29 ago. This is the shot play that should have drawn DPI. This is the big one that the NFL just came out and apologized and said they got wrong, uh, at least behind closed doors. Talk about that in a second. It's very similar to the first quarter shot that they ran, right? Basically that, you know, did draw DPI. Um, the only difference is Miami got a little wiser. Javon Holland, Mm, he shaded this a little bit. He didn't really shade it too much with position. He shaded it with his hips. He was open to Claypool's side before the snap. He was like, mm, if he goes, I got to get over there quicker. And he does get there. Throw is on time. Like Justin made a good throw. Interestingly enough, the all 22 angle, uh, not from the sideline, but from the end zone angle is from behind the defender here. So you get an even better look at the Miami defender, the DB sort of grabbing and locking onto those hips and pulling him backwards before the ball hits his hands. Like I think this is a pretty straightforward call. We certainly saw less called in this game. We see less called every week. It would have tilted the game. This would have set Chicago up at the 23, well within Cairo Santos field goal range. Like we would have had, a tie most likely we would have had overtime like this would have been a very different ball game had that call been made I'm not saying that figured into the officials thing but he was right there the official was on top of this he was like three yards away and he looked right at it and went no nah, i'm not gonna like i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna call it and you know i understand that certainly more egregious things happen in officiating every week this was a clear like you got tugged you got to call it you either got to call it or you don't but you can't not let him play like that for the rest of the game and then get to the end and go, well, this might change the game. I'm, I'm going to hold my, you know, I'm going to swallow my whistle. Um, so, you know, Alex Shapiro from NBC Sports Chicago tweeted out earlier today, according to a team source, league officials said they missed two big penalties. I think we all know this is obviously one of them. I tweeted out at the time. This feels like one of those that the league is going to issue a Monday retraction about. Yeah, the other one was the Eddie Jackson uh, totally call. Agree. It was a yeah. defensive pass interference on Eddie Jackson where he's looking back the entire time, playing exactly how they want you to play defense, and an underthrown ball and Jalen Waddell coming back into Eddie Jackson, and somehow Eddie Jackson draws a flag. But this, where the Miami defender is, you know, I don't know, hugging uh, <laughs> Claypool, uh, you know, spooning him, um, asking him out on a date. I don't know what's happening here. A lot. It's, it's not... <laughs> You know, it's not legal pass defense. No, and that somehow doesn't draw a flag. So uh, that that's tough. That that's tough for a Bears team that's an underdog. That's that's you know playing uh, against a, a good AFC team that you know has playoff aspirations. They, you know, they 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 don't they can't overcome all of that kind of stuff and with the talent level that they have. But guess what's coming with this ascension that we saw from Justin Fields specifically on Sunday. 
they pushed a very good Dolphins team. I'm not taking anything away from the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a very good team playing very well together right now. They survived Justin Fields going completely supernova. Right. Like they, they just survived it. They didn't like whoop them. Like their head coach knew it. Their defense knew it. Like they were super frustrated. They they were lucky to get this win. They did earn it. I don't want to take anything away from the Dolphins. This is a Dolphins win and they earned it. They survived and they're a very good team. When you start doing that and you put a couple more W's on the board, it is human nature in the NFL. You will get those calls. We have right. seen it with the neighbors up north for years and years. It is expected. Hey, man, drag the receiver down. I'm Justin Fields. He's going to be able to say this in a couple of years. I'm Justin <laughs> Fields. You got to call that. Like, you can't not call that for me. And it's been the complete opposite. And Bears fans are very used to it. Like, Justin Fields has got his head taken off for the first year and a half that he played in the NFL. It was disgusting. Like, he took a headshot every single week without flags. And it was mind-boggling in a league that says they're committed to safety and and headshots are not tolerated and they basically have their own targeting rule now week after week justin fields would slide take a headshot it was like you could just set your watch by it to go from that to what is going to happen if he continues to play this way if the bears continue to play this way if they continue to push put up points push good teams start stacking wins they shouldn't have those things add up the league wants this the league wants the bears to be good Chicago is the third largest metro area in the country. The league is better when the Bears are good. Even when the Bears are terrible, they still make primetime. It's the reason. It's because of the viewership. It's because of the support. Like, Chicago is the sleeping monster. And if that monster wakes up, Chicago's going to get those calls. Period. So, last play I'll talk about is the ESB drop right at the end. Um, Claypool broke open across the middle on the opposite side. I'm not faulting Justin because Justin was rolling to his right, which was ESB's side. Hit says ESB in the hands. He drops it. That's a bummer. If you look at the all 22, Claypool makes a very nice inside break at about 15 yards, slightly deeper than ESB. He was wide open. I don't expect Justin to be able to look back across the field to his left while rolling right and hit that. Can he physically hit it? Sure. Is it reasonable to expect a quarterback to hit that? play in that situation not really but it's cool that claypool ran himself open on single coverage and would have been a better option yeah he wouldn't have scored but again would have gotten them really close would have been an interesting would have been an interesting look so just to kind of another thing that's away from the action you probably didn't see it just more signs of what's to come yeah i yeah again that was a, it was a fine throw it was a perfect throw uh and mm -hmm. just an absolute drop and Boy, you know th those have been adding up overall throughout the year. The, the the bad calls, you know, the drops and all that kind of stuff. And you think like, yes, we've been we've been trying to say all year the wins and losses don't matter, and you know that this year is about Justin Fields, and you know, so it's, all of that's happening. But then you have that football fan in you, where you look back and like, well, what was that missed call against Washington in the end zone on third and goal? Mm -hmm. I would have put him first and goal at the one. Uh, you know, there's, and then Mooney dropped the fourth down call, which uh, fourth down pass, which would have been a touchdown. They would have won that game. They probably had a chance to win this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that calls made there uh, on Claypool there, you know, maybe not win, but at least tie a really good chance. I mean, there was still a minute left, right? They could, they could have scored it there. If nothing else, they would have been able to tie it and extend the game. They had, they had the momentum, which I know doesn't actually really exist, but but they certainly were were playing better and uh, were making stops on defense and, and were moving the ball on offense. And you know there there was there's been some other games that have had that same flavor and feel. I mean, would you feel differently if this team was five and four instead of three and six? I mean, I, I know I would, right? I mean, it just it'd be kind of fun, right? Like it'd be yeah. kind of fun to have this ascension with a competitive record. And it is what it is. I mean, again, I, I can't go back on my preseason mantra being like, it doesn't, don't worry about the record guys. It's all about the, the progress and evaluating young players and let's see what we have. And then be like, man, I'm bummed about this record, but it's kind of like, it's human nature to go back and be like, man, that was close. Uh, but it, yeah, I agree. Um, interesting stuff on, on a limited play set from Chase Claypool. Again, about a third of the plays is what he played but they were trying to get him involved. It's very clear. 
imagine that's going to continue. And I think that that only helps the rest of the wide receivers uh, on on this team as well, right? I mean, this is only going to help Darnell Mooney, uh, the presence of Chase Claypool. It's it's only going to help, you know, Cole Komet had a great game, right? Like, yeah, I, mean, I know that really a lot did. of that was just schemed up, but Cole Komet had a great game. If you make the plays when they're schemed up, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, I, I don't care that you could say a lot of what Baltimore does with Mark Andrews is schemed up. Like Mark Andrews is clearly a better player than Cole Komet, but a lot of what they get him in terms of production is schemed up. But guess what? He converts it. <laughs> he makes those catches. He moves the chains. He gets them touchdowns. So, if Getzy is able to scheme up Cole Komet and he's able to come away with two touchdowns and some decent rushing, again, his blocking's not great. We had a colleague of ours assert that he is the best wide tight end in the league. I don't think that's true. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Neither here nor there. Komet had a great game. Komet, and if Komet can be... And he doesn't have to be it every week. That's the thing that surrounding Justin Fields' weapons is going to do. It's going to bring them to a more Kansas City-like position or even right now a more like a Seahawks position where they have multiple tight ends who can figure into the passing game. They have two wide receivers that they can throw to. And now they have a great, well, they've always had very solid running back, but they have a great running back. Now, like Gino can spread it around. Gino can do what he needs to do. And and other offenses are more multiple like that. It's when you start to have the one guy, and we're seeing it a little bit in Green Bay this year, that Devonta Adams was that one guy that would convert all those third downs. And he's not there. And they're struggling because they don't have the guy that will just stand up on any given week. And we're seeing all the production fall across the board for guys like Robert Tunyon and whatever else. So you add more weapons. It's good for people like Cole Komet. And quite frankly, it's good for Komet it's good for Mooney. It's good for Claypool. You know, they need that X. They're still going to get that X. One thing that was very clear is this fourth quarter wound down is, is gets, he got a little tight in his play calling. He called a lot of screens. He called a lot of middle runs. It got real conservative and there was no like straight up. All right, we're going to, we're going to run routes against man and see if we can win because the bottom line is very few guys on this team can win one-on-one. Like there right. is not separation for, ESB. There was a little separation for Mooney, but it was tight. Pettis was not getting those big, like open shots down the field. And again, Dante Pettis, his snaps overall are going to go down. I don't think that's a bad thing because then you can bring him in as that sort of pinch hitter in the slot as the fourth wide receiver. And somebody's got to keep up with him. And he's, you know, he's tall and fast. So as a changeup, he, I, th- I think, is a much better option than he is as a sort of frontline player. So, again, just keep surrounding fields with a little more help on the offensive line, a lot more pass catchers. Like, get, I, I just throw resources at those until there's so many that they're fighting for playing time and you get to trade away some for assets. Like, be at that position because at that point, when Fields has choices, even if he's looking at a half field read and he can still run on top of that. Stopping the Bears is going to be nightmarish. Well, I mean, Tua has two incredible wide receivers to throw to. And I, I was, I've watched some Dolphins this year, mm-hmm. but I, you know, that was an impressive display. And I know the Bears were playing some pretty vanilla defenses and all that, but like, holy moly, like the, those two guys are fantastic. They've been doing it to everybody this year. And again, if you keep you keep stacking with a guy with this much talent at playing the quarterback position, it's just gonna it's just gonna snowball and it's gonna be great for everybody. So, um, well, this is awesome. I think it's a really fun breakdown of of Claypool. We're gonna see a lot more of him. We'll try to get to him one, one more time. I think before the end of the year. Uh, but we're we're gonna shift to the next game. We're gonna start thinking about that, and we're gonna start thinking about that because we're gonna be watching that game together. I'm so excited about this. For those of you that don't know, JB is headed out to the West Coast uh, this week, and we are going to go post up at Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday and watch the full slate. My treat. We're hanging out. We're going to be, you know, eating good food, drinking beers, watching the first slate, the second slate. We might retire back to the man cave here to watch the Sunday night game just so we get more comfy seats. But um, we're going to be hanging out. And then uh, he is staying. So the next Bears over beers will be us sitting shoulder to shoulder down here in the man cave, which I'm super psyched about because JB has been to my house once before. But um, we weren't podcasting at that point. I don't think that was pre Bears over beers. Well, I saw you tell the origin story of you and Brett the other day on your on, on Twitter, 
And the origin story for us was that we sat around your dining room table with our wives listening to us talk about football. And we said, hey, you know what? This isn't a bad idea. Yeah, maybe, we should, we should maybe do people this. that want to listen to this uh, might might tune in and not not the people that are uh, held captive. Um, you know, your our, our better halves and, our, and your dog. But we're, we're like, yeah, yeah, do that. Just fine. Whatever means we have to listen to it less. Do that. Find an outlet. Find an outlet. So I'm excited. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you said it's your treat. So I'm I don't know if they have lobster wings at uh, they do not have lobster wings, okay, but okay. you could you could ask. Maybe it's a secret menu item. Yeah, maybe. Know. Maybe it's, it's in the back. So now we'll we'll have a good time. Um, and then we'll we'll be coming to you from from EJ's place for, for Wednesday. We'll, we'll figure out an angle uh, for for that show. But very excited about that. So we'll be coming to you from the West Coast next week. Uh, anything else going on with you right now? Uh, I don't know if anything's bigger than that. That's pretty much my whole week. I, I've had it on the calendar for months now. And sure. now I can tell people because you're like, oh, I don't want to spoil travel plans. So I was like, all right, uh, now we can spoil travel plans. I'm super excited about it. Um, podcast, uh, bootleg football podcast just came out today. It was a little bit late this week. Uh, and then as always, tomorrow night, Thursday night, football live stream on the bootleg channel falcons panthers this week you just went and saw that i game. just saw that game uh, you just saw that game it's a quick turnaround it's a little odd um you know there you know there's division leadership implications in this game which is kind of fascinating um but we're hanging out uh prize pick sponsors those game for us so come tail our slip or or whatever else if you sign up you can get it you can get a bunch of money uh, to match your initial deposit, which is pretty cool. And uh, those are the biggest things for me. But mostly, I'm just I'm just rubbing my hands, waiting for JB to hit the West Coast. This is this is you know eventful stuff. Well, I love Pacific Northwest. Obviously, I went to school out there uh, for grad school, so it's always fun when I get to come back. Been back about a half a dozen times since I uh, finished grad school, but always a good time. Any excuse I can get to come back, I take it. Uh, because it's a really awesome place. And I don't care that it's the time of year where it's cold and maybe raining. It doesn't bother me. Um, it's it's not the rain right now. We woke up cold, to like right? heavy frost this morning. I, you know, I, and again, you're in Iowa, so you're going to be like, oh, I'm crying tears. But I, I had to scrape this morning to take the kids to parent teacher conferences. Like I had to get out the ice scraper and like spend, you know, five to 10 minutes, like getting the ice off, which is about the worst we get around here, but it's cold. But I, we should, we should tease the fact that we're going on a field trip on Wednesday too. Yeah. Well, we'll like, we'll, we'll post pictures. Yeah. We'll post pictures. All yeah. right. We're going to a secret spot on Wednesday and it's going to be a ton of fun. So if you don't follow us on Twitter, make sure that you do. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll get out of here uh, on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Everyone will stick around for the YouTube guys for a little bit to answer some questions. And until next time, bear down. Bear down.